everybody, this is Wendy from Evolve.ag, and today I'm here with Carrie from Metro Grow Hawaii, a amazing vertical farm here in Hawaii. Carrie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. All right, well, thank you for interviewing us. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm just so stoked to see that a vertical farm has popped up here in Honolulu. Yeah, we're very uh, proud that uh, we claim to be the first one in Hawaii. We've been doing this since about 2013. Oh, amazing. Do you want to tell me a little bit about how you got started? Sure. Uh, I've always been interested in plant science. Actually, my, my degree is in plant physiology from UC Davis. So growing and hydroponics were always kind of hobbies. Uh, I also have quite a bit of experience in technology. So this is a nice uh, combination of the two. Uh, and then finally, very interested in the local food scene here in Hawaii and, and eating and cooking. So starting a vertical farm seemed like a way to use all three of those interests. We've been doing this now for five, six years. And we got a lot of interest from our local restaurants. It's kind of hard at this size that we're at right now to be profitable, but we do definitely have demand. And so we're looking to expand and scale up a little bit. And then we think that if the demand keeps up, uh, we should be a pretty successful business. We think our niche right now is still to focus on the restaurants. So a little bit more specialty crops. It's hard, I think, to compete with the mass growing of you know, lettuces, typical lettuce for consumers. The restaurant market can't afford to pay a little bit more uh, to get a specific kind of crop. And I'd imagine, especially selling to restaurants, it's a little bit more predictable. Yeah, for sure. Most of the restaurants we deal with have standing orders, so we kind of know. And of course, you know, there's always ups and downs and they might not need something on certain weeks. But surprisingly, I guess because of farm to table, most chefs are pretty lax about, okay, well, you don't have it this week. That's okay. You know, what do you have that's new? So they weren't as demanding as I thought they would be as, as they were willing to explore what things we had and see, um, you know, how they could use it. There's still a lot of restaurants. And I think now the chefs that we have regularly appreciate that consistency and are looking for that. But a lot of them are still very you know, adventurous and and willing to just try different things and get it when they can and adjust their menu accordingly. That's really cool. Can you say which restaurants in town have sure. your vegetables on the menu? Uh, yeah, we have about, let's see, now I think it's about 12 or so. Probably the most famous one is Alan Wong's, an award-winning restaurant here in Hawaii. And then we also have three of the Ed Kenny restaurants, Sound, Mahina and & Sons, and Mudhead Water. Pretty well-known. Uh, Fett in Chinatown is a really good customer. They're doing really well. At the Prince Hotel here, the 100 Sales Restaurant buys quite a bit from us. Tango, let's see, Tepanyaki Onodera, Yohei Sushi, Basalt in Waikiki, uh, Tiki's in Waikiki. So, yeah, pretty good array of restaurants. That's great. Now I have a whole new list of restaurants <laughs> yeah. to try out, too. Oh, um, Vino. I can't forget Vino. That's, they're our first customer right here. They're like about two blocks away. So when we first started, oh, I would deliver on my bike sometimes <laughs> because it was so close. That's yeah. cool. You've got such a lush, diverse garden over here. Uh, half of our business is microgreens uh, we started off thinking just probably lettuces and cabbages and things like that but we did get a lot of requests for microgreens so we started growing a lot more of that we have about maybe nine or ten different kinds of microgreens cilantro scallion sorrel red vein sorrel red shiso carrot dill chervil so big variety i'm mostly used as garnishes by restaurants not too much consumer use directly, but definitely uh, the restaurants use make use of that a lot. Cool. And then what about the rest of the crops I saw? Yeah. Lettuce. So we have uh, two kind or three kinds of lettuce, red and green butter lettuce, and then a variety called Sweet Crisp. 
looks kind of like a frise, but it's a little bit uh, milder tasting uh, than a typical frise. Uh, we also do shoots. We do uh, pea shoots and pea tendrils. And we also do golden corn shoots that are grown always in the dark. So they stay yellow and uh, taste really like a sweet uh, corn, uh, almost like an artificial sweetener. So some people tell me. Uh, and then we also have a very unique crop called ice plant, uh, which some people may be familiar with. It's sort of a ground cover in sort of desert plant adapted. So it accumulates salt naturally from the environment. And so we actually add salt to the hydroponic solution to give it even more flavor. And so it's a really nice uh, uh, accent to dishes, that uh, seafood dishes especially. So here in Hawaii with all the seafood and poke and uh, those dishes, the ice plant does really well. Wow, I've never heard of eating ice plant. Mm-hmm. I've just seen it, like like you said, in the desert, yeah. sometimes on the beach. Yeah, like... so this is an edible version of that. So it's huh. not quite as waxy as the, the one you see on the beach. Oh, that's cool. And then you have to tell me about the pea tendrils. I'm yeah. sorry, the corn tendrils. Uh-huh. And what are those used for? So corn shoots are used uh, primarily, as again, as a garnish. Just nice, very vibrant yellow color added to the dish and gives it... Like I said, it tastes exactly like sweet corn and even sweeter than the kernels on the cob, probably. Wow, that sounds really magical. Yeah. Um, which ones are your most popular items? So we get a lot of call, like I said, for the ice plant is very unique. We're the only people in Hawaii that we know of that grow grows that. Right now, it's just, it's a long-term crop. It takes about, about a month to get up to transplant size and then about another month to month and a half of harvesting. So it's been kind of you know, sometimes sporadic. Sometimes we get a lot, sometimes we don't get enough. So demand's been kind of high and then we can't fill all the orders. So we're trying to increase the amount of space that we use for growing that. And hopefully you can keep meeting that demand. So I think there's a pretty big market for that one. Um, just people are very curious about it. Uh, after people have eaten it at some of the restaurants, we had still had some emails and calls about how do I get it? Where did I buy it from? Oh, that's so cool. I think that's going to be very popular. The microgreens, like I said, are still quite popular. Uh, we just try and ask the chefs if they want something in particular, and then we grow that. And then the... Uh, Butter lettuce has been, I think, picking up a little bit. We picked up a few new restaurants recently uh, that want to get that lettuce. Great. Are there other products or other like vegetables or fruit that you're thinking about growing in the future? Uh, yeah, we were looking at uh, more uh, other kinds of specialty greens. We had a request from one restaurant uh, interested in mosh, uh, lamb's lettuce. And that's a very cool weather crop. So it'll be very difficult to grow in a, a typical outdoor farm in Hawaii. So we'll probably try and test that one out next. Cool. And I know you said you were are the first vertical farm in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Are there other things about it that you think make it stand out from the produce that the chefs would normally get? Yeah, well, like I said, we really pride ourselves on, and I didn't know this going in, but it just I got the feedback from chefs is that a shelf life on a lot of our greens is, is really good. We don't water anything from overhead, so the leaves don't get wet. They stay dry all the time and super clean, so very little rotting or mold gets uh, on our plants. Shelf life is really good. Our lettuce uh, grows in little peat moss plants and so we harvest it we take the roots off but we keep the plug on so the lettuce can last for weeks and weeks in fact i put one in the refrigerator in a cup of water and one month later it was still okay wow that's amazing so the lettuce really lasts a long time microgreens are just kind of naturally fragile so they don't always last but definitely the lettuces uh, last a long time so that's kind of been our hallmark is that you know we grow this stuff that's super clean no rat lungworm disease which is a big concern in hawaii we said no we don't use pesticides very little chance of any kind of uh, contamination. So it's clean, lasts a long time. And so you need very little preparation to use it. Actually, I was just eating at Fino over the weekend where they featured a salad with our lettuce. And the uh, one of the managers there said that, uh, you know, the customer wanted that salad particularly because she knew that it was grown indoors. 
and shouldn't have to worry about contamination. So that's become a bigger concern, knowing that it's locally sourced, knowing that it didn't travel across the ocean to get here. I think those are all big advantages for our produce right now. Cool. Right now we are in just a single room, mm-hmm. right? That you have your farm set up in, but you're moving to a larger space. Just yeah, down the so this is uh, 800 square feet. So like a small apartment, I guess. And uh, we're going to be going to a 2,000 square foot uh, warehouse space. Wow, that's amazing. You must be super excited. Yeah, so uh, we're really hopeful that uh, you know this will allow us to meet more demand and uh, get more customers and get more product out there. And then the new place also has space for a little uh, retail area. So we want to do some direct sales, kind of like our own little farmer's market. Love that. So how are you growing the crops? So this is a hydroponic farm, like uh, most vertical farms are. So no soil involved. Uh, we use two primary methods. One is of hydroponic flood and drain, where water rises up and down uh, continuously or every so many minutes uh, just below the plant level. And we also do a lot of uh, aeroponics, a little bit different form in which uh, spray nozzles take send the nutrient mist to the root system of the plants. And so um, just that amount of mist is enough to keep them hydrated, uh, fertilized. And the extra oxygen that is a result because you're not submerged in water all the time uh, helps the roots to grow faster and the plants seem to also grow faster. We also find that uh, just that system uses a lot less water than even regular hydroponics. So we kind of like it for that reason. Are there certain plants you use in traditional hydroponic setup versus ones that you would use in this new aeroponic setup? Yeah, so we grow mostly our lettuces, a little bit longer term crops in the aeroponics. It seems to take advantage of that extra time in the oxygen. Uh, the microgreens that we do, and we're about half microgreens, the hydroponic system seems to be just fine because they're very short term crops. The usual turnaround time is about 17 days. Cool. With aeroponics, uh-huh. I know one of the problems is that sometimes the little nozzles get clogged. Yeah, How do so, you guys mitigate that? So that was uh, yeah, our big concern. Everybody told me well, you know, that's, that was going to be a problem. And very unusually, for the first six months or so, I, I didn't see any of that. Um, There's virtually nothing. And so I thought, okay, well, I guess it's working. And then as the system gets a little bit more mature and there's more algae growing and things, then it's starting to get a little bit more frequent. So um, it is ongoing maintenance. So as I mentioned, we're trying to see if we can reduce the nozzle count as much as possible and still get effective spray, do some extra filtering on both ends to make sure we just don't get as much film buildup. So, you know, we've been kind of living with it. We took the trade off of the faster growth with the nozzles. The other thing we like about the aeroponics is you don't have as much standing water. Uh, and a lot of the systems, the flood and drain and the uh, deep water culture, um, there's just a lot of heavy water sitting around. The aeroponics, we just spray and mist so we don't have as much water around. So that advantage, the faster growing, uh, we've kind of put up with the nozzle clogging. Like we said, but we're still trying to see if we can just kind of cut down on biofilms, cut down on algae, and keep it going that way. Yeah. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about your setup. You were using RGB lights? Uh, yeah, so they're uh, full-spectrum LEDs. Uh, we actually see some with uh, different colors. So we've been just trying out different lights over time. Uh, we've kind of settled in on this uh, full-spectrum uh, LEDs that are the sort of four-foot uh, format, uh, like uh, fluorescent light bars. And uh, they're nice. Uh, we kind of have traced our evolution in lighting from all the things we've bought over the years. So some of our first panels are about 300-something watts. And then the next panels we bought were about 160 watts. 
And currently we can light a whole four foot rack, a uh, roll in a rack of uh, plants with about 66 watts. That's great. Yeah. Wow. So energy efficiency has definitely gone up. That's fantastic. Has the price of the equipment started to go down a little yeah, bit? Yeah, LEDs are still a little bit pricey, but definitely um, they're getting a lot more reasonable. So that's always a nice thing with technology. You get improvement in efficiency and reduction in price. So that's definitely going to help our bottom line. And how did you know to do this type of setup? Like, was it kind of just trial and error or did you come into it with a particular plan in mind? Yeah, well, like I said, it's always been sort of a hobby in my mind. Uh, I didn't really do too many systems on my own because I looked at it. And at the time when I first started studying it, the LED lights were nowhere near uh, ready for commercial use. So most hydroponic growers use uh, high intensity discharge lamps or um, high pressure sodium lamps which for a typical plant setup would be like a thousand watts. So, you know, I, I knew there was no way that that would be commercially viable unless I was growing marijuana, uh, <laughs> which is how they were mostly used. So it really, when I saw the LEDs start to come out was kind of the thing that said, okay, maybe now's the time. Let's see if we can set something up. The aeroponics and the hydroponic systems that we use are based a lot on what the marijuana growers are doing. So a lot of the research on the internet uh, that helped uh, design the system. But as you mentioned, lots of trial and error. Cool. And do you think at this point it's scalable or are you still going to keep tweaking as you go on? Um, yeah, we're always looking at tweaking. We got a pretty good design, we think. Um, as we started to build the new place, we took a long time. Everybody said, are you moved in? Are you moved in? And I said, no, not yet. Because now with the size that we're moving to, we have to do a little bit of tweaking um, because it's not as... Um, in such a small compact space, we have to make sure we can do it efficiently and automate some of the processes. Uh, so we're still working on that. And um, there's some other things we're hopefully trying to do to reduce nozzle maintenance, for example, because we have so much more growing space now. Great. Do you have a lot of waste? Um, no, we try to really cut down on that. So the lettuces, for example, whereas the typical field-grown lettuce, you have to take off, you know, so maybe up to a third of the lettuce because of the leaves are no good or rotting. The lettuces we grow are particularly efficient, so they have very little core, uh, very little rotting. Like I said, these don't get wet very much, so uh, there's very little waste. The only thing, of course, is the roots, so we do end up throwing that away. We always wondered, you know, what can you make out of uh, plant roots? <laughs> so certain ones are edible, of course, but most of the ones we have, uh, we just have no use for them right now. One thing we are looking at, uh, we have a, actually a grant that we applied for, is to see if we can take some of the green waste that we generate and uh, using some bioreactors, see if we can actually make fertilizer out of them. Cool. So that would be uh, hopefully a use of it. That's great. Yeah. Be total closed loop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Try and get as close to it as possible. That's great. What's been the toughest part of setting this company up? I think. Well, like I said, it's it's you know when I look at it, I think a lot of farmers will say this when you really look at what vegetables cost to produce and what you buy it for. Vegetables are actually kind of ridiculously cheap. So, you know, the economies are hard. So it's not a big profit margin crop. You know, this is not a big tech business that you're gonna make a million dollars overnight. It definitely is a more expensive way of growing. So that's been the challenge. We are in town and rents are a little bit higher. Uh, surprisingly, not as much as I expected, but you know, I don't own the land. I don't own a building. Uh, so it's not like a farm has been passed down to me over the generations. So rent is actually probably our biggest expense right now. So if you took that out, I think we'd be profitable already. Uh, but we do have to pay rent. So that's a challenge being in an urban area. Sure. Um, you know, labor is labor. I think we probably don't need as much labor as a typical farm. So I think we're okay there. 
Uh, and then, of course, energy is the other big expense. Um, and what we're doing in the new space is we're planning and halfway there uh, to put in a PV array. So that would, should really cut down on the energy use. That's perfect. I mean, why not? You're in yeah. Hawaii. Why not use right. solar? So, I mean, a lot of people tell me, why, you know, why are you using indoor lights? Because you're in Hawaii. And I said, well, I need to grow on multiple levels. I can't do that. You know, is that a greenhouse? Um, so, but we do have lots of sun. So at least we'll make use of it that way. Hawaii, of course, has probably the highest electricity rates in uh, the nation. So it's probably, in that respect, the worst place to do a vertical farm. But like I said, hopefully with the solar uh, PV system, will help mitigate that. A lot of our supplies, unfortunately, have to be shipped in. So shipping expenses are just crazy. In a lot of cases, I hear this all the time, the shipping costs more than the items uh, in a lot of cases. So we try to buy uh, locally as much as possible. Uh, I think I mentioned that um, we use a lot of restaurant supplies for our growing containers. And there are some, uh, that way we can buy stuff that uh, the restaurant companies here are already bringing in so we can avoid some of that shipping cost. So that shipping, uh, those kind of supplies are definitely pricey. Does the government offer any incentives for vertical farms? Um, not yet. I think it's kind of new to them. So, you know, there's very, very little, like, laws or anything being passed that target them specifically. Uh, last legislative session, there are a few bills that we were really interested in. One wants to establish sort of like uh, tech zones that uh, they would sort of promote and have encouraged businesses to do urban farming and uh, that one didn't pass. Uh, the one that did pass is to offer preferred electricity rates to protected agriculture. So that includes greenhouses and vertical farms. So we're actually in the process right now of trying to see if we can get that. It was passed last summer, but it takes a long time to get these things going. So we're applying for that, and so we'll see what kind of rate they can give us. Well, that's great. I'm yeah. sure that'll be a big help. Department of Agriculture it has some loan programs, but they aren't targeted specifically to vertical farming, and their resources are pretty limited. So they've been kind of focusing more on traditional farming. Uh, well, we hope that changes in the future. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been so awesome. And I look forward to going to some of those restaurants and trying out some of the greens. All right, great. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks again, Carrie. Well, everyone, that's the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to Evolve.ag and we'll see you next time.